everyone, this is Sam Black continuing my set review of Crimson Vow with uh, green commons, well, green commons, then uncommons, then rares, then mythics, uh, as informed by stats on 17 lands. So, uh, green, um, I see the, uh, I have, so I've, I've looked at the stats a few days ago, um, and I see that green's order has changed considerably from uh, its uh, first um, results. Uh, there was a time when Snarling Wolf had the highest game in hand win rate of any green card. Now that I see how low it is, uh, I really hope that um, that was just someone literally lying to us in 17 lands, just manually editing the stats to make it look like Snarling Wolf was the best common for a day just to like, trick people because of uh all the press about like oh it's a joke that's on wolf free printed or whatever anyway um <laughs> going back to uh the current stats um i'm a little bit uh happy to see that uh flourishing hunter is the top green common happy to see this just because of a twitter exchange that i had where i said that this looked more um uh Ravenous Lindworm than Honey Mammoth to me. Uh, obviously, those are both uh, six mana six sixes that gain life. Specifically, they both gain four life in different sets. Ravenous Lindworm was a very, very good card in Caldheim Limited, where Honey Mammoth was a pretty mediocre card in Aquaria Limited. Um, so the idea is that uh, this kind of card is going to function differently depending on context. And uh, my personal theory there was mostly that uh, I think uh, Kaldheim was a more normal set than Ikoria. And I think that in most limited sets, uh, six mana, six six gain for life is going to be pretty good. And um, Ikoria was the sep like Honey Mammoth not being very good was the exception. Flourishing Hunter is pretty sim similar to those cards, so I thought it'd be pretty good here. Um, there are some other factors, but that was that's the basic idea. Um, anyway, uh, Flourishing Hunter uh, is currently the top performing green common. I don't necessarily expect that to hold just because uh, they, you know, there are a bunch that are very, very close. Um, anyway, Flourishing Hunter. Uh, I don't think, so with Ravenous Lindworm in Kaldheim, I felt like you basically just like wanted it in roughly every green deck, even if you were like kind of trying to be aggressive because it was just that good. I do think that uh, the aggressive green decks, which do exist, don't always want Flourishing Hunter, um, but I think that it's very good for the more mid-range and controlling green decks, especially green, blue, and green, black. Um, Wolf Strike, uh, not terribly surprised to um, see this one near the top, uh, and also uh, would completely expect it to be the common that is drafted earliest of the green commons, um, which it is. Um, uh, yeah, um, I will say that, you know, I, I think that it's like 
negligibly overrated based on uh you know it's only the second best uh the green common with the second highest win rate but it's taken highest um i i think that this is you know fine i'm probably i personally probably drafted a little bit too late other people on average drafted a little bit too early um Hookhand, I'm a little bit surprised to see Hookhand Mariner ahead of Weaver of Blossoms. I don't know if that's about Weaver of Blossoms. Like, I think that in most cases, you don't want to splash. And I wonder if Weaver of Blossoms is getting pulled down by being played in decks that splash or encouraging people to splash. I think Weaver of Blossoms seems like overall a more powerful card than Mariner, but could be wrong about that. You know, obviously two, three mana creature is just a very, very different card than uh four, 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 four. Um, so not a particularly great or easy direct comparison. Anyway, four, 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 four with upside is pretty good. Um, this card does well. Um, Weaver Blossoms uh, by like Spore Crawler. Uh, also, this is pretty good. Um, nice. Uh, you know, primarily good defensively. It's really annoying to try to attack into this card because you really don't want to trade a creature to, like, let them draw a card. Um, Massive Might. Uh, this is an appreciable step down from uh, Spore Crawler. Like, some of these have numbers that are very, very close to each other. Here we're losing 0.7%. Um, this is a pretty good trick, but you'd rather have a solid creature than a pretty good trick most of the time. Uh, Witch's Web, just a little bit behind Massive Might. Um, they're, you know, pretty different tricks. I think Massive Might's better most of the time that you want a trick. Um, but the gap is small. Uh, Rural Recruit. Um, training Underperforms, making two bodies is pretty good. I've been happiest with this card when I'm trying to exploit the 1-1, and then I'm just, like, happy to have a 3-1. Uh, Sporeback Wolf, I've been happy with this card when I have Wolf's Matters stuff and, um, I've, uh, and I'm looking for two drops and there's a very high correlation between looking for two drops and having Wolf Matters stuff. Uh, I think this is a fine two drop. I also have felt like in my green decks, um, I have pretty good late game and I've wanted more two drops than I have. Um, so, like, I mean, this, you'll notice that everything, like, this this is the best green common two drop, and um, so that means that I'm going to draft it a little bit more aggressively, uh, just out of curve considerations. Like, I, I think that you should probably be drafting uh, Sporeback Wolf over Rural Recruit, uh, even if Rural, I mean, so they have, like, the same game in hand, basically, like, you know, Web, Recruit, and Sporeback Wolf all have basically the same game and hand win rate. And I think that uh, Sporeback Wolf is the highest priority of these because you just, like, want two drops more than you need mediocre tricks or additional four drops. Um, like, you can get your... You want to get Hook and Mariners to be your fours uh, that you'll use over Recruit, and then you want Sporeback Wolf to be a two. Uh, Snarling Wolf is actively very good in wolf aggro uh you don't want it 
in most green decks that are trying to block because it doesn't play well defensively. Um, Apprentice Sharpshooter is fine if you're looking for a way to block flyers or if you are, uh, for whatever reason, really good at doing the training. This is a pretty good training creature because it has ideal training stats, which is to say enough toughness that it can afford to attack and a low enough power that it's usually going to pump. Um, it's like in this awkward space where the two things that it wants to do are uh, completely non-overlapping. Um, like your breach creature that is clearly here to block doesn't want to have to attack to get big, but um, it, it does give you some options with the card. Uh, Dawnheart Disciple, um, fine aggressive two drop in an aggressive humans deck, wants to enable training, all the training stuff underperforms, this thing kind of struggles, green white's not very good because it's about training, all training stuff underperforms, etc. Um, but I'm fine just like putting this in a blue-green deck because I want to two drop, though obviously I would rather have multiple copies of uh, Wretched Throng instead. Um, Moldgraf Millipede, uh, I think that this card is pretty good in uh, well-built uh, blue-green creature decks. I say well-built because my belief is that blue-green wants to play as many creatures as possible, uh, drafting like most comparable creatures like you know, Mariners and Weaver of Blossoms and Sport Crawlers over Wolf Strike. Uh, taking Wolf Strike when there aren't good creatures with it, but always taking a good creature over Wolf Strike and not really worrying about whether you end up with a removal spell or not to make sure that you're playing like 18 plus creatures so that uh, your Millipedes and other things that are milling creatures are milling a lot of creatures and just in general you are good at enabling these cards and doing all of your stuff that counts creatures. In those decks, Millipede's a good card. Uh, Toxic Scorpion. This is not great, but also it is the two drop for defensive green decks. Um, if you are not interested in attacking, you would prefer Toxic Scorpion to Dawnheart Disciple and Sporeback Wolf. Therefore, it has a place. Um, sheltering Bows, uh, not very good. Um, not much to say about it. I don't really know where I'd want to play it. Um, it's probably like fine filler in some kind of green-white deck or something, I guess. Uh, Mulch, probably mostly a trap. Uh, there might be some uh, green, probably blue X decks that like care enough both about fixing and milling themselves, but uh, for the most part, this is not where you should want to be. Uh, Crushing Canopy, um, been wondering about whether or not you should main deck this some portion of the time because there are a lot of bombs that it answers. Stats indicate you should not. Um, Bramble Armor. Uh, if training were good, I think Bramble Armor would be a reasonable way to enable it, given that all of the training stuff fell flat. 
bramble armor to try to make your training stuff good is not where you want to be and it's bad everywhere else uh nature's embrace a little sad to see this is the uh worst performing card it i like where it says that the idea of um being uh like a good fixing like enabler for a multicolor deck uh early and then if you draw it late you can put it on a creature and bash when your mana is all set up um but like I said, I think that this format is just very hostile to trying to play the multicolor decks. So I um, think that it's like a good way to do something you shouldn't be trying to do, or an okay way to be doing something you shouldn't be trying to do. The good way to do it is Fleet of Blossoms. Um, uncommons. Okay. Uh, so Infestation Expert is a card that I was really not sure how to rate before playing with it. Played pretty well the one time I had it. Uh, a little bit surprised to see it as the actual top uncommon right now, though it is very, very close with Bramble Worm and Dormant Grove. Um, this, uh, just seeing this page right now will definitely increase my respect for Infestation Expert, uh, especially since my first experience playing with the card, which have basically just happened in real time, were positive. Um, Bramble Worm is great. Um, reach is a big deal. Gaining life is big. This card has been very important for uh, like stabilizing and turning the corner with my green decks. Uh, Dormant Grove is strong. Um, you can flip it pretty easily most of the time in most green decks because of cards like Sporeback Wolf. And um, it's very good at like giving you the option about like, do I want to flip this or do I want to keep getting value out of it? And um, three, six vigilance, give all your other creatures vigilance is really good, especially when you've like gotten plus one, plus ones out of it before that. Um, just generally pretty sweet. Uh, Pack song pop. Um, so it's really good if it's, you know, if it lives and gets to do its thing um just a strong thing for the like red green deck part of why red green is good in this format where it wasn't in the previous format uh reclusive taxidermist is uh basically just a better uh weaver um you know two two cost mana creatures that cast me that tap for and of any color are basically always good and limited and then this has the random you know uh werebear-esque bonus that, you know, only helps. Um, Wolfkin Outcast. This card is uh, comparable to Hookhand Mariner, and I think a little bit worse. Do the stats agree with that? 54 versus um, 55. Yeah, I think, like you need to have a really, really high number of wolves and werewolves before you prefer this to Hookhand Mariner. Um, even if you have a pretty good number, some portion of the time you're not going to be able to cast this for four, and this for six is very obviously much worse than uh, Hookhand Mariner. Um, but if you can reliably cast it for four, then obviously the front side is uh, a little bit better than Hookhand Mariner, and then the back uh, becomes really good if your deck is all wolves and werewolves. Um, so 
this the ceiling here is better than hookhand, but it the the decks where you reach that ceiling are few and far between. Um, Sawblade, Sawblade Slinger. This was one that was like kind of hard to evaluate. Um, not easy to know like how often this like fight a zombie thing is going to come up. Uh, four three is obviously not very good stats. Looks like it's not great. Spike Ripsaw. Uh, this is just a little bit too clunky. Um, in general, like spending six total mana to do a plus three plus three equipment has in most cases been a little too slow and this is not an exception. Uh, Oakshade Stalker, uh, surprised by how low this one is. Um, this uh, provides some context about uh, the red 3-3 vampire threatened guy that I was talking about where I was surprised that its stats were low. It looks like 3-3s for three are just not doing great in this format. Um, Good to know. <laughs> this, uh, I don't know. I, I I think this card seems better to me than uh, Ripsaw and Slinger, but I'm I could be wrong. Um, some amount of this might be. I see that you know it's draft pretty drafted pretty early, so um, I I I will not conclude from this that this card is unplayable. That just wouldn't make any sense to me, but um, it's clearly not great. Uh, Cloaked Cadet, again, just everything that's going on. Like, training just didn't get there. Um, so this card doesn't have a place. Crawling Infestation, I don't even want this in my blue-green decks. I would rather have a creature. Um, retrieve, uh, mostly pretty bad. I had a deck that wanted it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, this, when I... I once misread this and thought that it returned any non-creature, not non-creature permanence, and that seemed awesome. But uh, it's very hard to actually get two cards out of this, and the rate's not good on getting one. Um, Cartographer's Survey. Uh, this is just such a... This is basically a bad circuitous route, explosive vegetation, whatever you want to think of it as. The fact that you can't just like put one of a splash land in your deck and know you're getting it uh, makes it a lot worse. Um, obviously in some other formats where you're trying to like get particular non-basic lands, uh, this might do cool things, but um, in limited, it's just like a lot worse. Um, and then Laid Trust. This card was really good against me exactly once, but you need to have like just a huge number of humans um, for it to be okay. And even then it's going to be bad a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, it looks like this isn't where you want to be. Um, rares. Glorious Sunrise is uh, pretty absurd. Um, with all that text on it, you're going to find something good to do all the time. So uh, you should put it in your deck. Open Walled Oddity. Uh, I'm surprised this thing's stats aren't higher. It's pretty absurd. Uh, I, I, you know, this is a, like, I guess this isn't as big a bomb as some bombs, but it's a bomb. 
Um, Hellpack Piper. Uh, I don't know exactly what this does. It looks uh, like I would expect it to be a little bit worse than it is. Is the back great? Oh, the back's pretty good. All right. Well, uh, oh, I guess the, I guess the back is particularly good because it's easier easy to get there because the front side lets you go tonight. Um, so I guess that's what's going on here. But four mana two two seems rough. I'm a little bit surprised by this card stats being as high as they are. Um, but I, I you know I trust it. Apparently, it's a good one. Uh, Ascendant Pack Leader, this is, um, you know, just a clearly good aggressive creature. Hard for it to be, like, really amazing, but also hard for it to not be actively good. Um, which puts it at, you know, like, strong common or uncommon rather than busted rare type level. Um, Hive Heart Shaman. Uh, this is a fun card. Um, but it's, uh, a little, I mean, it's slow, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's slow, but powerful. Um, and that means that you end up with these stats. Uh, I do think that you probably, if you have this and you're a two color deck, I think most of the time you should put a random off-color land in your deck for this thing um, because being able to like get a land the first time you attack to help you get to six and then making uh, four fours instead of three threes is a pretty big deal. Um, Howling Moon, this is powerful if you like really, really get there, um, but you shouldn't play it if you don't really get there. Um, Hamlet Vanguard, same thing. This thing is really, really strong if you have a lot of humans, but um, because so many of the humans are these training cards that are bad, uh, Hamlet Vanguard ends up being more awkward than I would have expected, and I think that you should um, think of it more like the uh, zombie mythic that copies zombies, where it's like hard to end up in a deck that can utilize it, so you kind of need to... like have a reason to know it's open rather than just like taking it speculatively. Um, and then Splendid Reformation is not a card that you should put in a limited deck. Um, Mythics. <laughs> yeah, Albrook Caretaker is messed up. Um, Cemetery Prowler uh, is not messed up. This is just like a good count. I mean, it's like, so I think it's better than its stats indicate. Uh, but again, that's, you know, it's suffering from the, it never gets passed and whatever. And then it's just like, you know, a uh, solid uncommon type power level. Um, it, but, you know, play this, but don't necessarily first pick it over everything or whatever. Um, and then, uh, Cultivator Colossus. I don't know if I've ever seen this card before.
Oh, this thing. I, okay, I've seen this. Uh, not in limited. Um, it looks like it's a seven-seven trample for seven with relatively minimal additional text. Uh, it's not surprising that it's uh, winner eight is. Um, a, you know what it says it is. Uh, there was a question from chat that I'm going to address that is, why is Everbrook's care caretaker's win rate so low when you don't draw it? Um, so uh, you can see it wins 68% of the time when you do draw it and only 48% when you don't draw it. And the, that balances out to a 57% uh, win rate when you play it. Um, so why do you lose more than average when you don't draw it, where, you know, a normal deck also didn't draw it? The answer is because, uh, if you have this card, you were not willing to not play it. So if you first pick it and green isn't open, you are going to draft green no matter what and then the rest of your deck is going to be weaker than an average deck. Um, also, some portion of the time you opened it in the second or third pack and took it and switched into green, and then you were drafting down a portion of a pack, and so your the rest of your deck is worse than an average deck. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But as you see, you end up with a better than average um deck like a better than average win rate if you do this so it's correct to do it even though you lose when you don't draw it the card's really messed up that um that covers our uh green view so now we are going to move on to multicolor um so uh I believe that this is going to all be one video. Yeah, this is this is just, I'm going to continue straight on. If you're watching this on YouTube or whatever, um, we're going to go straight. This is going to be green and multicolor. So on to multicolor. Um, starting with, there are no multicolor commons. Uncommons. All right. Blood Tithe Harvester has moved down a little bit from where it once was. Um, but it is still the best uncommon overall by a considerable margin. Um, if we remove this multicolor filter, um, we see that it is more than 3% over a parasitic grasp, which is currently the second best uncommon. So uh, Blood Tithe Harvester is, you know, kind of in a class by itself. It's the mythic uncommon in the set. Um, and, uh, I've had people ask why it's so good, and I uh, guess that's worth talking about a little bit. Uh, it's this good because uh, this is a format that is largely bomb-driven, and the way to uh, succeed in a bomb-driven format outside of having your own bomb is uh, one of two things. 
either kill your opponent or kill their bomb. Blood Tithe Harvester excels at doing both of those things because it is a 2-mana 3-2, which can attack and kill your opponent, and it also it doubles as a removal spell. Uh, by itself, it can only kill 2-2s, which does not describe most bombs, but it's very easy in red and black to make more blood and let this kill basically anything. Um, so it is very well positioned. Brian Comer is the next best uh, uncommon uh, gold card, um, and I'm not very surprised by this. It has played really well for and against me. I think blue-white's really good. I think um, the, uh, like, it seems a little bit low impact. Um, most of the time, I have not been suiting up the Brian Comer itself, um, except when I have Nurturing Presence, and then Brian Comer into Nurturing Presence is a very good draw. Um, but more what happens is the Brian Comer makes a spirit, and then when the Brian Comer dies, you immediately get another spirit, and then you can end up like further suiting up the thing that you've put the Brian Comer on to get more spirits. Um, and uh, it's that all of that together is just quite good. Um, next up, Wandering Mind. This thing is also great. Um, I've missed with it, and I was very sad about it, but uh, two on flyer that um, finds a good card is a lot better than like two on flyer that draws a card, and two on flyer that draws a card is pretty good. Like, even though this can miss, it's much stronger than two on flyer draw a card um, because it's not drawing a land, and it is, you know, often giving you some choice about what you're getting. Um, uh, Markov Purifier, um, 2-3 Lifelink. <laughs> so I, I guess when I was talking about Kindly Ancestor, I talked about how 2-3 Lifelink by itself would be, you know, pretty solid. And then uh, this gives you a pretty strong card advantage engine. Um, it solves its own puzzle a little bit, but very much not completely. Like, uh, this does let you gain life, but a large portion of the time, um, if you're like you're not going to be able to have this survive combat to gain life to trigger itself. So you definitely do want to prioritize uh, other more reliable ways of gaining life to uh, be able to keep um, triggering this. Um, Skull scab uh, is fine with a little bit of other exploit stuff and amazing with a lot of exploit stuff. Um, I have done some really crazy things uh, when I've drawn two of these together. Um, a bit of advice that I gave on my podcast about blue-black that I'll reiterate here. Uh, if you are playing an exploit deck and you play Skull Scab on turn two, it can function as a good, as like, um, it's basically a Doom Dissenter by itself, right? Like if you were to sacrifice it, you would get a 2-2 zombie and you spent two mana. And that's the same situation that you have with um, Doom Dissenter. However, in that spot, you should probably not sacrifice the Skull Scab and instead 
sacrifice the exploit creature that you just played so that you still get its trigger and you still get a zombie, but you keep your skull scab for future exploit creatures um, so that you can get more zombies uh, from them as well. Um, so little little thing that I've missed myself and seen some people miss that is definitely worth keeping in mind. Um, Vile Spawn Spider. I think that this card has an artificially low win rate because people don't commit to it properly. I expect that uh, my Vile Spawn Spiders will have higher win rates than this after adjusting for my win rate overall because when I play Vile Spawn Spider, I expect to have at least 18 creatures in my deck and um, a deck that's just built to use it very well. And uh, my experience with this card has been extremely good. Um, I think this card's really strong. 2-3 uh, Reach is great at letting you stay alive. And when you do that, uh, the spider is very good at giving you inevitability because it's not particularly hard to cash in for somewhere between 6 and 10 one ones. And it's very hard for people to beat six to ten one ones a game of limited um, when you got them for a single card. Uh, Panic Bystander. Um, this is a solid card in white decks in general. A little bit better if you're black. Uh, I don't consider it comparable in power level to Biospawn Spider. Um, Child of the Pack. Uh, I have yet to play a game where this card was activated. Um, I think that that's just sample size, don't happen to have run into it, but um, I think that it's, you know, just a little on the slow and clunky side for the format. I think it's, um, you know, fine, like solid, but uh, nothing special. Um, Markov Waltzer, uh, solid aggressive creature, nothing amazing, good if you're red white, but I, with, with both of these, I'm not really looking to like first pick these and go into that archetype. Whereas like Vile Spawn Spider Plus, I'm going to consider it. I, I guess I would rather, uh, move in on a Vile Spawn Spider or Skull Scab early than a Purifier. That's just me. Um, and also, but, uh, that, that's more about, you know, color preference and stuff than raw power level, though. I don't know. I think Biospawn Spider is a stronger card than Purifier, but I could be wrong about that. I don't think I am. Um, Ancient Lumbernaut, uh, I'm not terribly surprised to see this behind the others. It, it is a good card, um. I wouldn't be surprised if this is partially tricking people into playing some bad cards. Um, and I said that before double-checking the game's not drawn win rate, which we see is uh, lower than the other cards here. Vile uh, Spawn Spider being the next lowest, which isn't surprising because it's great and... Uh, Blue-green, again, because I think people don't draft it correctly, does have the lowest win rate overall. Um, so 
yeah, I, I think there's I think people who take Thiospawn Lumberknots are a little bit too likely to put 113s in their deck. Um and you should probably not do that most of the time, but the lumber the lumberknot itself is fine. And then Sigardian Paladin suffers from the fact that uh everything about what it's trying to do in this set is bad. It was just not costed quite right. Um, all the trainings like this wants to work with the training stuff, and there's just not enough support. Um All right, on to rares. Uh, Helena and Elena, or whatever, however their names are pronounced, uh, is a ridiculous bomb. Um, win percentage indicates that. Card text indicates it. Uh, this card is really, really, really good. Um, I am made of dishonor, also great. Not a lot to say about it. It's just amazing. Not as amazing, but who cares? Edgar, same situation. Uh, old Rothstein, uh, very good. Less bomby than the others, but um, it, you know, just a bunch of good words on it. Uh, Torrens, Fist of the Angels. Um, this. Uh, is in that awkward is a green-white card that wants to do green-white things space, but it does it well enough by itself that uh, it, you know, you get away with it. It's a good card, but it's going to be like a little bit hard to have the deck come together properly. Um, Lantern Flare, uh, this is just a, like, solid removal spell, basically. Um, I think that you should often put a mountain in your deck if you're playing this in, like, a deck that is white and not red. Um, because I think that, like, being able to just, like, go big with it to gain a bunch of life and kill a big thing is nice. Um... Iruth, Tormented Prophet. Uh, this is a strong card. Take its win rate with a grain of salt because it's been pretty badly bugged on Arena. I don't know if it still is or how long it was bugged for, but I know that it was letting people play a bunch of cards that it shouldn't be letting them play. Um, Path of Peril. This is another one where like the card is pretty good if I am playing it in a black deck that isn't white. I'm going to make sure I have at least one planes in my deck um, just to like potentially be able to cast the Wrath. Um, I'm not going to worry about lands, their lands, whatever. Um, Girlknock the Omnivore is an interesting card. Um, I would, uh, I'm not like trying to first pick it. I think it's worse than the Spider by a considerable margin. Um, I do think it is, like, the ceiling on this card is pretty high. It's very good with spiders. Uh, it's pretty good if you give it flying with Lantern Bearer. Um, you can do some sweet things with it, but 
It has the problem that it is a four mana card that dies to a braid, and also that if it can't attack, and it often can't, um, it might not be doing anything if you're not milling yourself with other stuff. So I do think that this has like a high enough ceiling that like I'm happy to take it and play it if I'm blue-green, but I'm not taking it super high or anything. Odric the Blood Cursed is a 3-3 that sometimes makes you some blood. It's fine. I don't think it's as good as like the 3-3 Vampire that sometimes threatens. Um, Dorothea, Vengeful Victim. Uh, this is like maybe playable in blue-white. I'm not really sure. That's probably fine. It doesn't seem impressive. It's, you know, obviously not even close to Brian Comer. Um, Runo is... Uh, I'm a little surprised by how low Runo's win rate is. Uh, I think Runo is totally unimpressive, but I'm fine with a 1-4 flyer. Um, I flipped it once, and it was pretty sweet. Uh... But it's definitely whatever. Um, it's pretty hard to flip. Um, Dig Up is a card that I think you should play if you can, if you have another bomb. And if you don't have a legitimate bomb, you probably shouldn't play it uh, unless you're like in the market for a lay of the land. Um, Alchemist Gambit, I was uncertain about, and its win rate tells me that it's probably pretty bad. Uh, Winged Portent, um, I'm, uh, I have had uh, a good experience with Winged Portent. I played it in a deck that was like um, very good at using it. I was blue white. And I had a lot of flyers. Uh, it was easier to get a lot of flyers because I knew to put nurturing presences in my deck. And I th also had Brinecomer. And um, I think I like drew four or five cards with this once. And it was generally pretty easy to draw two or three. Um, I think that you need to be like blue-white uh, with a lot of flyers for it to be good. I am currently trying it in a blue-green deck that's basically all creatures with six Weaver of Blossoms. I expect it to be pretty good there just because I'm so good at having a lot of creatures and having a lot of mana and like drawing a million cards seems fine, but uh, if I were like any less dedicated I wouldn't expect it to be good. Um, so I'm not surprised that this card does badly overall, but I do think that it's like, despite this win rate, I think it's like a playable card in blue-white uh, when you have a lot of flyers, which you want to have in blue-white. Um, on to Mythics. Toxril the Corrosive is one of the best bombs in the set. Um, not much more to say about it. Uh, doesn't matter at all if you have blue mana. I mean, like, I guess it's better to be able to activate it, but really, if it doesn't die, you're winning the game regardless. Um, Olivia is, you know, strong. The, the stats indicate that she's, you know, merely quite good and not, like, a bomb. Like, she's worse than the red-black uncommon. Uh, there is obviously, like, 
you know, the mythic skew here, but I think that skew is like pretty small. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she's just actually straight up like worse than uh, Blood Tide the Harvester. Like if you see both of them, you should literally take the Harvester over Olivia. M may or may not be the case. I don't know for sure. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Harvester is actually better. Um, and then Kaya has horrible stats. Really, really bad. Uh, I'm going to assume that you should basically never play her. Um, and that covers it. Uh, all right. So I managed to finish everything. Um, thank you, uh, for watching. And especially if you subscribe to get me to do this, uh, or subscribe for any other reason, uh, really appreciate it. Once again, uh, this entire review, um, was, uh, done because of a sub goal on Twitch. Um, so thanks again. <laughs> I know I just thank you, but thanks again anyway to, uh, people who subscribed. And, um, if you, again, if you've watched this on YouTube, and uh, you're interested in more of my content, uh, you likely know that I also have a podcast, Drafting Archetypes, that um, goes over uh, an archetype a week, tells you how to draft it, and I also stream limited every day on twitch.tv slash Samuel H. Black. Um, so feel free to stop by any evening and watch some limited. Um, thanks and bye.